podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Tropical MBA Podcast. Today's show, we're going to talk about something that I think we all struggle with, and that is hiring, specifically hiring remote workers. One of the themes I picked up on, both amongst listeners of the TMBA Podcast and also members of our community, the DC, is that stay-at-home parents, often moms, make great team members. And I kind of wondered, why is this? Yeah, I think that there are some really good business reasons to hire moms. And one of them is that I just found that moms are, this is all generalizations, but generally very organized and know how to prioritize things. It was something that I even observed in the corporate workplace was that the moms came in, they got their stuff done and they were just laser focused because they wanted to come in at nine and leave at five. And so they didn't waste time mucking around or, you know, getting distracted. That's one good reason. And then I guess another good reason that I've personally experienced is that if you have a service or a product that's anything consumer related, the stats change over time. But mums are responsible for two thirds of household purchasing decisions So for me, as someone that runs an agency trying to sell to represent brands on Amazon, it's really helpful to have people representing those brands who would generally buy those products themselves. That was Kiri Masters. Some of you might recognize her because she's been on the show before. She is also the founder of Bobsled Marketing. And in today's show, Kiri is going to share with us some of her experiences finding and keeping great team members and why her success story somewhat revolves around the strategy of recruiting stay-at-home parents. But we're also going to try and do a 360 view to look at the subject of hiring stay-at-home moms by speaking with one of Kiri's employees who had a really successful corporate career at Sony before leaving, having a baby, and then reconsidering how she works. But first up, the founder of a well-established agency that actually places stay-at-home moms with companies like Kiri's. I myself was working from home and was doing marketing and PR for clients, and I never told them up front that I work from home. I just let them believe that I had an office, but I would always meet at their office. And so no one ever asked me point blank where my office was, so I didn't have to lie, thankfully. (laughs) But I think you were viewed as less professional back then if you worked from home. Leslie Pyle's company is Hire My Mom, which pretty much describes itself. It actually grew out of an earlier subscription-based business called Home-Based Working Moms way back in 1995 when Leslie had her first child and she decided that she didn't want to go back to an office job. It was primarily a support group for other women. We could ask each other questions on how we are balancing you know, work and motherhood. What do you use for invoicing your clients? So it was as much of a benefit to me as it was the community at large. And having a marketing and PR degree was invaluable because that's how I launched that website was through my PR background and and getting some press for that. Once 
working at home became more accepted, I thought, okay, there's a new way to help these moms and help these businesses. And that's how the idea of hiring my mom was born. And I wanted a name that was easy to remember because homebasedworkingmoms.com or hbwm.com was not easy to remember. So that was in 2007. And I've been doing primarily this site ever since then. So in 1995, I mean, you're on the fringes of the internet back then. Yes, I'm dating myself. So at what point did you start to feel like, you know, there's a community of women that are here, we're hearing things like, I need more work. And you're starting to think this is a two sided market. And maybe I can start supplying them with work as well. Yes. My goal was always to try to find more opportunities for these women, because like I said, some of them were already working at home and just needed support and networking. Others were trying to figure out what they can do from home to make money. A lot of them were already stay-at-home moms and living on a very tight budget. Others were working and looking for a way to quit their job and work part-time from home. I actually at that time used to sell a work-at-home kit, and it was a workbook to work through to find different home businesses that you could start. So my business has really changed over the years. I used to do a lot of newsletters by mail, you know, back in the day before email was so big. Very cool. Between 1995 and 2007, your primary income was from these newsletters and from these home kits? Yes, mm -hmm. and from the membership, yes. What was the tipping point? Why did you think that you could start to matchmake people? Did you have enough of the two groups in the hoppers that you felt like, all right, now's the time to start charging people? Yes, I knew between all the moms that I'd talked to over the years, I knew there were plenty of moms looking for work. And I was starting to talk to more entrepreneurs, knowing that most of them needed a virtual assistant, if nothing else. And a lot of them needed help with their blogs or their e-newsletters or their accounting or their marketing, their sales. There were so many needs. And it was just a matter of providing a place for the two sides to come together, kind of like Match.com for businesses and freelancers. Leslie, I want to ask you a couple of questions about your business model. So I went to your site and you're only charging the employees or rather the moms. Right. I and mean, it's $100 a year and you don't charge people to post job listings. So if I wanted to go on there and post a job, it wouldn't cost me anything. That's right. And the reason is simply if we charged businesses, we would have far fewer jobs. And if we allowed moms to join, we would have you know, a hundred times as many moms join because everybody wants to join something that's free. And so the balance of jobs and moms would be way off and nobody would be happy because the moms wouldn't be getting jobs. They'd be telling all their friends, don't bother. You won't get a job. There's only five jobs posted, you know, a year or whatever it is. So by charging moms either, like you said, $100 a year or $30 a quarter, it balances that out because employers are like, wow, I can post as many jobs as I want for free. I've got 10. I'm going to post all of them here. And the moms are like, wow, I'm getting quite a few job leads. It's well worth $30 because if I get one job, one hour, two hours of that is going to pay for that membership for the three months. Why do you think moms are so good at this kind of work? I think most moms are very good at multitasking, keeping a lot of balls in the air. So you have to have a lot of patience. You have to be able to work with people of different ages and backgrounds and that sort of thing. And I think because moms so desperately want the flexibility to work from home, that they are willing to be flexible with employers. So, you know, working whatever hours they need so that they can work around their kids' schedules. And a lot of them are willing to work for less than they would make in a traditional job because they're getting that flexibility. So tell me a little bit about that. Is it that employers are able to take advantage of these people because of that? Or do you feel like it's really a two-way street? How does that relationship work? 
I think it's a win-win for both. I think employers are willing to be more flexible knowing that this mom, her priority is her family. So if she's not available every hour of the day, then I think they're more understandable. So I think it's really a beneficial relationship for both. And these moms, a lot of them are talented, degreed women who enjoy the challenge of working and the benefit of making extra money. It may just be that they want money for vacations or spending money or college savings or things like that. I'm guessing that many of the listeners of this show have used sites like Odesk, Upwork, and LinkedIn. And if my experience is anything to go by, kind of with varying degrees of success... But unlike some of these other sites where you can find low-cost labor, where the dollar probably affords us a little bit of an advantage, Hire My Mom sets a minimum wage of $10 an hour, although employees can negotiate more. But what might be more interesting is that payment is made not through the site Hire My Mom, but directly from the employer to the employee. I did not want to get involved in the, the paying and be a middleman for any discrepancies. I just allowed them, just like in a traditional job, you decide how much you're going to pay your contractor or your freelancer, and then you work out the payment details with them. Do you think that that barrier is in some way to everyone's advantage? Like I'm imagining it being a more personal relationship in a way, because when you're on Elance or Odesk, you kind of just send the money. If you have a problem with them, you pull the money back, you get in an argument with Elance, they resend the money back to you. But in your situation, if you do have a dispute, like these people have to work this out mano to mano kind of. Right, exactly. And occasionally that happens and one side or the other will contact me and my response is always the same. I'll do my best to do an initial email. You know, we have a complaint against you. You didn't fulfill your obligations or on the other side, you did not pay the person, whatever it might be. Can you explain your side of the story basically? And once that goes through, I kind of reconnect them and try to get them to work it out on their own because we're not attorneys. We don't get involved in anything beyond that level of this or take it, you know, to another level because that's not our expertise. Do people leave the community? Do you ask people to leave the community when you find somebody's at fault? If we have found that they have treated someone unfairly, yes, we will ban them from the site, not allow them to either be a job seeker or an employer, whatever the case may be. We have a naughty list, just like Santa. <laughs> and it's, I assume it's not posted anywhere. No, it's private. Some people talk about you like they know So I want to get us back to Carrie Masters and how she searches for team members in her growing company. And just to give you a little bit of background where Bobsled Marketing is currently at, we've been tracking a little bit on the podcast, and we'll link to some of that in the show notes if you're interested. But Bobsled Marketing helps companies launch brands and products on Amazon, and it's only been running for about a year, and it currently has 14 full-time employees. Yeah, so Hi My Mom is... I've hired five or six people through Hire My Mom to date over the years. That's been a really great channel for finding US-based staff. So when you have a fully remote team, which I do, it's important that you have a certain amount of overlap in the day, even if you're using things like Slack or Asana or managing projects that don't necessarily need to be real-time, there has to be some overlap for people to have meetings and chat about issues and stuff like that. So I just found that the 12-hour time difference between the US and Southeast Asia makes things so difficult. So for me, I just always found it difficult working with people from the Philippines, for example, or around that area just because of the time difference. And then we also have a few individuals who are in Eastern Europe. 
There's a really great job portal called jobrack.eu, which is run by a couple of DC members, actually. So I've used that. And then I've also done a lot of LinkedIn stalking, which is a very time-consuming activity. But when you're looking for someone with a specific type of experience, so I was looking for people with paid advertising experience to bring in for a PPC specialist role. I guess the other reason why you'd want to be looking for people that already have jobs is that A players rarely are unemployed. They're usually poached from other companies. Honestly, it really was a lot of stalking to fill out the team. I'm sure there's a process for stalking. How does that work? (laughs) Every good stalker has a process. (laughs) Yeah. So with LinkedIn, there's a lot of filters that you can use to go by geography even the company that they used to work for, which can be really helpful. If you've hired people from a company before and they've been good, you could surmise that that company has good hiring processes. That's one thing. So you can look at past company, you can look at number of years experience, you can look at some other factors as well. So you can get a really defined list of candidates and then start reaching out to them. You can sign up for one of LinkedIn's premium memberships where you can send a certain number of in-mails, which are mail credits that get refunded to you if if people don't respond. The cheaper way of doing it is just to send an invite request if they accept your invite request and send them a personal message with a link to a job description. Interesting. So you'll, you'll go and find somebody like, say, somebody that's worked for a search scientist, Michael Erickson's company. PPC I would company, never do or, that, Michael. <laughs> not Michael Erickson, <laughs> because he's a good guy. And we like him. But a recognizable PPC company like that, you'll go and say like, okay, this is a reputable company. This person previously worked for them or this person works for them now. I'm going to send them a message. Yep. Mm, scandalous. I like it. Well, I guess this is what headhunters do, right? I'm just being my own headhunter. I think what Curie's approach shows us is just how proactive and on top of it you have to be sometimes when you want to hire the right staff, especially for certain roles. So when she was looking for another team member recently, I'm sure she was scanning all the places that she had talked about, but ultimately found them again on, you guessed it, Hire My Mom. Let me introduce you to the third person in our cast in today's show, and that is Louise. So my name is Louise Gray, and I am a project manager for an e-commerce marketing company called Bobsled Marketing. Now, Louise was working at a publishing company where she met her future husband. Eventually, they moved to San Diego together. And to cut a long story short, Louise had transitioned out of publishing into project management where she worked at Sony when she became pregnant with their first child, who is now coming up on two years old. I worked until the end of my pregnancy and had anticipated going back to Sony and negotiated that possibility with my boss. But I kind of had a sneaky suspicion deep down inside that once the baby would arrive, I would have to make a completely different decision. And that's what happened. He arrived. And four months later, when I was due to go back, I didn't feel comfortable going back at that commitment level, 30 to 40 hours a week. It was much more closer to 40 with a 40 minute commute on either side, it just didn't, it didn't settle with me when that time came. And what was it that didn't settle with you? Was it spending time with your child? Or was it that you didn't want to pursue this career path anymore? I was settled at Sony, I don't think I was challenged or driven to push myself further in that particular job. I think I had come to a comfortable impasse. I wasn't passionately dedicated to the cause. And I think that was a factor. 
the bigger factor was I hadn't been exposed to children very much in my life. So I couldn't really tell you what a four month old looked like or what a four month old could do. And when my four month was in front of me, he didn't seem to be the baby that I wanted to leave in somebody else's care for the best part of every day, five days a week. And when you don't have to do that, and that's the feeling that you have, it's quite overpowering. Did you just think from that point on, you're going to be a stay at home mom for the rest of your child's upbringing? I think I thought about it. I didn't think I would only and solely do that every day with nothing else, just because I do have other interests as he started to grow and get more and more independent, less dependent on me and of sleeping through the night and he was on a schedule and so forth. After a year, when all those things did start to settle, my mind started to wander then and I was thinking, okay, days can get a little boring. There are definitely times where he can play independently and I'm sitting there watching him play with the crayons and I'm thinking, okay, this probably won't work for me until he's five, which is when a lot of people may consider going back to work when the kid starts school. And he's a year, I'm thinking four more years of this might be a little hard. But you didn't want to spend that hour and a half driving up the five freeway in San Diego, because it's so much of a time sink. So what did you do? I started looking for jobs. I talked to my husband, and I said, Okay, I'm getting a bit bored. I think kiddo's doing well. I think he can interact with other kids now on a part time basis mama's getting bored. And he was like, okay, cool, go see what you can find. And I had criteria that I wanted to meet because I, I am fortunate that my income or my employment isn't required in our household. We had set things up so that when children would arrive, we would have that flexibility. So I did, I was able to have a criteria and it was part-time work remotely, if not full-time remote, part-time remote. And a silly criteria of mine, but it was kind of important because I really wanted to work for a female boss for a change because I hadn't done that. And the video game industry is full of men. And I just fancied working for a woman for a change. So since I could cherry pick my like ideal job, I was like, okay, this is my criteria. I went on to LinkedIn, didn't have too much success. Although there are remote jobs on LinkedIn, it's a real manipulative game because the job is listed as remote. And then you scroll down and it says, 40 to 70% travel. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. You know, you can't say remote, but then expect me to get on a plane twice a week. I didn't have much success finding a job that appealed to me on LinkedIn. I had done some freelance work for a lady who had a small business and she had hired an assistant through hiremymom.com. And I created an account on hiremymom.com and found my current job through that website. So many of our employers come through word of mouth, 90% of them, because employers, a lot of them are business coaches and small business owners. They tell all their friends when they find someone great. On the mom's side, the moms find a job. They tell their friends. When we hear feedback from an employer saying, you know, I didn't get any applicants or a mom who says I've applied for 10 jobs, we try to look at, is it the job listing is it the resume, you know, and give them some feedback because there should be, because we're more of a boutique website. We don't have thousands and thousands of moms on our website and that's purposeful. We don't want to be monster.com or one of those big websites where we're geared towards small entrepreneurs and moms. So that's our niche. And we think it works well just because it does have a healthier balance. 
Interesting. So it's very high touch. So you're actually going in and if somebody says, hey, I've applied to five jobs, I haven't gotten any of them. You look at their resume, maybe you look at their previous work. Do you suggest to them like, hey, you know, you've got spelling errors or this is what's going on? Yes. If they ask for my feedback, I do. A lot of times they don't. And that's unfortunately, and if it's something, you know, beyond my strengths, as far as being a resume and cover letter writer, you know, I refer them out to someone who can do a professional resume or cover letter if it's just more than a couple of tweaks. Have people approached you, like maybe not a monster, but another job listing site to acquire you guys? Yes, they have actually. And I did go through a process of learning what their offer would be and what their intentions would be. And when I learned that they just wanted to dissolve Hire My Mom and basically take over the audience, I guess, I didn't want to do it. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's a niche, and I believe it's a well-needed niche for moms and entrepreneurs. So, Is it just kind of luck that there's the perfect amount of employers and employees, or at times are you shutting it down in terms of job listings or moms applying? I've never had to shut either side down, and I've rarely got comments from either side saying there's not enough moms or there's not enough jobs. Interesting. I wonder how that works out in the, in the universe, right? I think part of it is because some moms get on there and they are go-getters and they're going to look for a job every day until they find one. And I think there are other moms who log on once a month and, you know, yeah, I didn't find a job. That wasn't that important to me. Is it the case that a lot of these moms are employed as full-time as they want just through the site? Yeah. I mean, obviously they can have as many clients as they want. So if they have one that wants them to work 10 hours, another one wants them to work 15, another one wants them to work five, it's up to them how many hours they want to work and how much they can handle. And of course we do have, I'd say, you know, 5%, 10% of our membership are not moms. They're either single ladies or even dads we've had. Can I join? Like, well, we don't, you know, ask for your driver's license or anything, you know, and if an employer's <laughs> okay hiring you, we're okay with you joining, but obviously we're geared towards moms. So that was one of my questions. Does Joe have to go by Josephine or is it okay? If- no, it's okay. And I've always wanted to ask the few men who have joined if they've had success, but I don't always get feedback from people. So I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't think as an employer, if he's as talented as she is, you know, it wouldn't matter to me. It's interesting to me because of the branding that there are a few non-moms using Hire My Mom. But something that I was intrigued to ask Curie about is, are there certain characteristics that make moms and entrepreneurs a particularly good fit for each other? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, the values kind of align in that Mums value the same thing that we as location independent business owners do. We value flexibility. We value results over hours worked. So they're not necessarily interested in traveling or things like that. They're interested in getting results on their own schedule. I think that Kiri knows that my family is my number one priority. I think that she would probably say the same for herself. And a number of the employees at Bobsled would agree that their family comes first. I think Sony puts family first too. I never felt guilty asking for time off for family related, you know, occasions, but they wouldn't be able to support a remote position with the role that I had at that company. How does that work out with like, say you and your peers, you say to them, Hey, you know, I work for a company that family comes first, or, you know, it's not everyone's main priority 
to be at work for 60 hours a week. You know, we're a company that accomplishes great things, but everybody realizes that there's other things that are more important or as important in life to this job. How does that go over when you discuss that with your peers? Honestly, jealousy, without a doubt. There's a very strong, I've spoken to many people in the last three and a half months that have asked me, oh, you've started back at work, what are you doing? I say, I'm doing this. And they go, well, where do you work? I say, oh, actually, I work from home. I'm like, what? How did you find a job that allows you to work from home? And I was like, you know, and I'll tell them the story. And if they have a job that could be done from home, their eyes light up and they're like, wait, how did you find that job? Who did you speak to? Really, you don't have to go into work. Wait, you do everything on your computer. If I speak to someone that's, say, like a nurse or, you know, a lawyer, or I, some, I don't know, somebody that has to be in a particular location, I don't think that they're particularly fussed. I think they're like, oh, that's cool. That I guess that works out really well for you. And you're like, yeah, no, it does. So it depends who you talk to, but the people that have that either want to be working or know their job could be done from home, they want to know more. And so for you, do you think that there is life in the office again? Or do you see this as a new path forward, kind of, I can't go backwards? I was actually talking to Kiri about this only just two weeks ago. And I said to her that the novelty hasn't worn off. You know, like I said, it's coming up four months. And I still find it incredibly cool that I can take my break that before I would just go and sit and chat with a buddy, you know, two doors down. I can run laundry on my water cooler break. I think that's pretty cool, I have to say. And it, it is nice not to get in the car. I don't like driving. I would prefer to walk everywhere. So I hate getting in the car and driving further than 10 minutes. So to not have to get in the car, to not have to put on uncomfortable clothes, <laughs> and to also make your breaks productive and make your work time productive, so novel. I still think it's kind of cool. In a lot of ways, I would guess that you feel even more productive than you were at Sony. Is that true? incredibly productive. I clock in and clock out of my hours. So when I sit down and work, I'm working. When I walk away from my computer to run laundry, I press stop. So I'm entirely, I'm 100% productive. There's no time that I'm sitting at my computer billing and not doing anything. But Sony would be wasting money on me if I was sitting there and not actively producing work. But that would be the case for the entire company. I'm super unproductive. So final question I have for you is, you know, it seems like you found a great fit with Kiri and this company. What advice would you give women, whether it's, you know, use this website or have this approach? You know, what advice would you give them about seeking employment after they've had their first child? I think the biggest piece of advice I would give to a new mom who's looking to start working again is that definitely, definitely try to find something that works for you first. If you can't find that and you have to go back to the sort of cliche nine to five gig, then you know that's there. But I think it was really comforting and supportive of me and my husband to be able to sit down and say, okay, what would be the most ideal situation? Like what really would make you happy and what would really fit with our lifestyle right now? And we were able to synthesize what that would be into a couple of points and then I gave myself, you know, a, a period of time where I was like, okay, I'm going to go and find this. I don't necessarily say that because I think that everything out there exists, but I do think that it's absolutely well worth really trying to figure out what would work and trying to find that first without going back to, well, I have to go back to my old job and I have to be away from my baby for 40 hours a week. There may be other options and there may be a different type of job that you'll still find rewarding that still uses all of your skills and education. It might not be the exact same job description or job title that you did before your baby, but there is fulfilling adult work out there that might be a really great fit. So I would just encourage people to try to find that first. Speaking of adapting, 
Both of these ladies, Luis and Kiri, are expecting new babies in 2017. Kiri's first and Luis's second. In fact, Kiri told me one of the reasons she made the decision to prioritize hiring staff over increasing profits at Bobsled was because she knew she wanted to step away and take a few months of maternity leave. With regards to these moms that you're hiring and some of the other service providers, are they expecting this to be long-term work or is most of the hiring you're doing on a project or as-needed basis? I've done it on a permanent basis. So I think it's definitely possible to hire these people on a project basis. And that can be a really good way to test someone out to see if you work together well. But for me, I've always like planned to have that roll around for a long time. And to that end, I think it's really important and valuable for you to show someone what the long-term opportunity is at your company, where it's going, you know, provide that vision to people so that they can really get invested in it. Did they all come on as full-time or did you transition them up from part-time? It's been a bit of a mix. Some people never want to be full-time and some people really value the full-time option as well. So I think that that's something that small businesses operating in this remote location independent fashion, we have a lot more flexibility in terms of what we can offer in that way. So when someone on my team found out she was having another baby, then her needs changed and she wanted to reduce her hours a little bit more. And so that means moving things around a little bit, but I can provide that flexibility endlessly for everyone on the team until it gets too big, potentially. But yeah, that's something that we can give people because we can scale up and down as needed. One of the things I struggle with, and maybe you have an answer for, is bringing someone from part-time to full-time because the sell is always difficult. Because I I assume if you have a part-time job with me, you probably have several other part-time jobs to kind of make it all a full-time job for yourself. And so when I bring somebody in part-time, if they're really good, I want to bring them in full-time, but then trying to convince them to quit their other jobs. And it seems to be difficult. What's your strategy there for turning someone part-time to full-time in your company? Oh, that's such a good question. I think sometimes it can't be done. Like if you are hiring a mom who has other priorities, which are frankly more important than the job (laughs) to everyone, I understand that, then you might never be able to convince them to go full-time until their kids are in school or something like that. Like sometimes there's a hard limit. And then the more concerning scenario is what you mentioned, when they have another job and they're either keeping that open because they like to have options and that might actually indicate to you that you're not sort of providing them with a vision of the future or meeting all of their professional or financial needs. And it seems like in some ways, you know, you mentioned some of these moms, they want to like come in, do an awesome job and then check out. Is it the case that they also do or do not want to progress in the company though? Because to me, that's just kind of like clock in, clock out, do your best work. But do they also have the ambition to move up in the company? Is that something that you can expect from them? Yeah, for some people, that is the reality. And they do just want a job and they can do that job perfectly well. But that's all you're going to get out of them. And then for other people, they do have, as long as they're getting everything else that they need, they are aggressive and they do want to progress and they do want to grow as people in their careers and they want to climb up the ladder. It's difficult to paint everyone with the same brush and say, if you're a stay-at-home mom, 
you just want a job and you don't want to progress in your career. There are still lots of people and definitely people on my team who are really excited about growing and getting promotions and moving up. But that's something that is probably what you want to tease out immediately in the interview stage to see where someone's priorities are. Final part here, Kiri, is you're getting ready to become a mom. Through your transition, it seems like you have a lot of team in place to help you with that. How have you communicated and empowered them to kind of move forward with this ideology on hiring, staffing, et cetera? Do you guys have like a company manual? Is this something that you guys talk about a lot? How do they know everything you know? I'm glad they don't know everything I know. (laughs) I think that the people that are going to be responsible for the hiring decisions going forward are going to draw from different experiences and potentially even like richer experiences than mine. So I think that to say that I'm definitely the best person to be making all the hiring decisions is not necessarily true, especially when I'm not going to be managing them directly. But I will say that a framework that's been really instructive and thought-provoking is the top grading method, which is this big doorstop of a book basically gives you a process of identifying the first it's about the structure of the role and then about finding candidates and taking them through a screening process to identify if they're the right person for the job and a lot of it comes down to really thorough reference checking. I feel very very confident that if that system is followed that we're going to have a good outcome 80% of the time but also to recognize 80% might be as good as you get. I think 80% is pretty good. What do you guys think? Have you hired moms before? Love to hear your comments. All of this will be at tropicalmba.com forward slash hire my mom. Pop over, leave a comment, check out the show notes. See you guys next week. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.